0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the MobileCast. We're coming to you from uh, sunny and just slightly humid Atlanta, and we're here at the AirWatch Connect conference. And I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with a good friend of mine and the CEO of AirWatch, John Marshall. John, why don't you introduce yourself and you know just a little bit of history? I mean, you, you've come back. You've been in business a long time.
1: Great. Thanks, Brian. Excited to be on the podcast today. Uh, We're here at Connect uh, Atlanta, so this is our user group event. We've got about uh, 1,200 attendees here, so huge growth over the last couple of years. And we've uh, been riding the wave of smartphones and tablets, so it's been a tremendous three years, uh, predominantly starting with the days of iOS 4 and the MDM policies and now broadening out. Uh, We're seeing the new announcements from Samsung, from Apple, from everybody in the last couple of days, so exciting time in mobility.
0: Yeah, and before mobility, Yo, you were part of Manhattan Associates. Mm-hmm. You came here. Just tell us a little bit about that so people know who you are. Sure.
1: Well, I, I started with a company called Manhattan Associates, a supply chain software company, and we help design logistics and software warehousing solutions for most of the major companies around the world. And that was really how I learned to build a business and grow. I had a mentor named Alan DeBerry, who now is our chairman. And the bottom line is, uh, there was a point where I couldn't look at any more warehouses, and uh, and I made a career shift and. Decided that wireless and mobility was where I wanted to focus on. So we're actually ten years in business now. We started helping uh, in the wireless space, managing the wireless infrastructure as a service, and then we grew up in the Windows Mobile rugged space. And let me tell you, those were some lonely days at trade shows and events. Can't say there was a lot of excitement about managing rugged devices.
0: It was probably just you and Motorola. I'm guessing. It was just
1: us and Motorola, and Motorola didn't really even like us then. So <laughs> it was really just us. It was a lonely island, and then and then. We you know we persevered and, and adjusted with the market in the early days of let's say a touch Pro 2 and when cellular data became cheaper and that was a catalyst even before the
0: smartphones for the industry pickup so you know you guys are you have the wandering wireless you still own it but you know you guys are an EMM company so mm-hmm. you're an enterprise mobility management company um, you were self-funded till very recently mm-hmm. you did a uh, did a class A mm-hmm. and 200 million so mm-hmm. you, you didn't start small.
1: No, we'd like to go big here, as you can see. So it was the right thing. I mean, it was the right thing because uh, we wanted to bootstrap the company and uh, invest uh, appropriately. But we saw the the shift, and we anticipated the shift a while ago in terms of bigger companies coming into the space,
0: uh, a requirement to broaden out from basic MDM to a a larger platform. And And, and, and that's a great one because I'm going to stop you there because – The first time I met you, so quick story, John and I met maybe two years ago, the company I'm with, we were looking at MDM companies, and I, I remember sitting in a conference room, you know, we'd spent the day, and you then came in, and, you know, I made a comment to you, and I said, MDM's dead. What are you doing next? And the look you gave me was one like, how can you say MDM's dead? And you actually said something like that, and then not... Six months later, you guys actually started the shift, and you know, keep going with the story there. You know, yeah. I
1: mean, I think the shift was uh, anticipating. I mean, w- uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting some of the Apple team members, even when it was uh, iPhone two in the early days of iPhone three. And I, I had that, that moment of realizing this was going to be big. And I came back to the office after one of those meetings and I told the entire development team to stop working on, on Windows Mobile and what they were doing. We're shifting the company to focus on, you know, these embryonic smartphones. Nobody had them at the time and the entire company looked at me like I was crazy. They thought I'd, you know, gone to the, the crazy farm. Um, but, you know, but they stuck with me. And the bottom line is, We've always tried to be a little bit ahead of the market. If we're too far ahead of the market, then we're not servicing our customers well, and, uh, and we're probably doing the wrong thing. But we need to be just ahead of the market so that uh, you know, we're, we're building the right capabilities. In some cases, we're catching up, too, in, in features and functions. But uh, the bottom line is the space is evolving. Customers want devices, apps, content, email, some level of containerization. They want all these items and choice, and that's what we're trying to offer
0: so let us so let's broaden the conversation I mean you guys are obviously a leader um, you mobile iron one or two others were in uh, you know if you take stock in the magic quadrant you were mm-hmm. up there but you know if we look at what's happening in enterprise mobility management, it's certainly moving from um, MDM mm-hmm. which is you know I've always called it a feature set you know mm-hmm. you know your stock table stake features yep. and you, they stay the same they don't mm-hmm. change very much. Mm-hmm. And you guys have made the move into MAM, mm-hmm. um, Mobile Application Management. For those listening, um, and you know, where do you see that going from here? Because you know, you guys do some app wrapping. You have an SDK. You mm-hmm. weren't the first, but right. you know, there are a bunch of people out there who do it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you see this going?
1: I think we're just still at the early stages. I, I mentioned today in my keynote that we haven't really seen a lot of business-to-business collaboration. Um, We're just getting to the point where within an enterprise, uh, people are becoming more comfortable. But most enterprises have built, I'd say, five to ten apps. Uh, We have a small number that have built 10, 20, 50, over 100 apps. And an app can be something as simple as just enabling uh, something that you already have, something off your ERP or CRM system. And so we anticipate the use of apps is going to explode, but I anticipate a year or two out you're going to see a lot more cross-company collaboration, building of apps and content, and sharing that. Um, So we see that moving. And then to your point, SDK is an enabler. App wrapping is an enabler. What really drives... The adoption of this is that deep integration into the enterprise. And so, as the operating system companies evolve, they're going to build some of these features that we have today into the core OS. And that's fine, because at the end of the day, our customers want a platform that's going to integrate to all the operating systems and, most importantly, tie into all their
0: enterprise infrastructure. So, you know, let's take that. Enterprise infrastructure, deep ties into the enterprise. Um, where do you see? You know, there are a bunch of companies out there talking about you know new acronym, and I, you know, I hate acronyms, but and so is the audience. But um, they call it MBAS, but mobile backend as a service. One of those uh, wonderful. I've as never a heard that.
1: <laughs> that's great. Yeah. But
0: uh, current. yeah, that's the current. Terminology that a few companies are using, but you yeah. know they're talking about that middleware that's in there and putting that into the cloud and all. And you know, I know that you got you think about that, although you don't yeah. use the term. So, yeah.
1: well, it's already happening, but again, this is very embryonic. Uh, if you look at let's look at the mobile ecosystem, most of the NAC vendors; these are traditional companies, Cisco and Terassis, Aruba. They have one API. You know, is the device on or off the network or should it be on or off the network? They haven't created necessarily all of them this rich API ecosystem that allows me to do more advanced stuff. And that's the same across every single one of these enterprise companies. So I think it's very embryonic. I think that we're seeing the touch points, but it's not real sticky in terms of they're not deep touch points. It's a basic piece of data going back and forth. And it's going to evolve quite quickly. Most companies don't know how to use certificates. And I believe that certificates are a great way to ease the whole sign-on process, to advance security within an organization. And I bet 98% of the companies out there don't even use them at
0: all. So, do you see people like yourselves, Mobile MobileIron, um, the Citrix and the Semantics out there? You know, EMMs who are there, SAP. Do you see them expanding into that arena of you know, kind of moving a little bit into NAC, moving into the certificate piece? Yeah, maybe maybe through partnership, maybe through purchase, whatever. You know, and we're not going to put you on the spot yeah. because a you can't tell me anyway. Sure, but you know, where do you see that evolving? I think the appropriate
1: way to to say it is, if we're not enabling easy integration through off the shelf components, then that would hurt our business. And and the same for our competitors. If we're not enabling as a community the interoperability of these different systems, I don't see us having a long you know a long track record out there. Because at the end of the day, you've made fifteen years of IT investments as a company. You've got all these other solutions, ERPs and CRMs, and now um, HRIS systems in the cloud, and all this investment. That's you know that's the majority of your spend. And if you can't enable all of that to work in a mobile way with your current EMM provider, then I see you looking hard at at what the right solution is. And I think that will separate the haves from the have-nots. The men from the boys. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's one thing to say you support Apple and Samsung and Android. It's another thing to say that you have integration to 300 technology solutions, and it all works.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because you guys are a cloud provider Mm -hmm. you know you don't look at that way you say hey we provide you a SaaS platform so you know airwatch is available either on premise Mm -hmm. or in the cloud so you know you've been a cloud provider for a long time i remember when we first looked at you you know some of your competitors do the same Mm You've also, and one of the things that's impressed me is you've always had an API. Mm-hmm. So you've had an API that you know even before you had an SDK, even mm-hmm. befo- you know, probably before the SDK was really a glimmer mm-hmm. in your guys' mm-hmm. eye. You guys had an API that you guys that we or anybody could mm-hmm. hit to pull information about devices that were coming in mm-hmm. and look at some of the data in the database. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of forward thinking there. You know, mm-hmm. how did you get there? I mean, go back a couple of years. That
1: yeah, I think that's they,
0: not something that people did. No, it's Three, not. Years ago. But, but nor did they think about enterprise integration.
1: And I think it comes with a philosophy that a lot of people thought they were building a console that was the end-all, be-all console. And it was important that people log into their console every day. And I've always thought the opposite. If I can have people never log into my console, that's not a bad thing. Because that means that they're getting true leverage out of all their other systems. And so the only way to really do that is through APIs. And I think we were just imagining the process that we weren't thinking about building EMM and mobile device management for companies that wanted to deploy 100 people. And this goes a little bit back to the Manhattan Associates and the days of everything that we did there um, helped us grow this company. We didn't develop a multi-tenant platform from the ground up at Manhattan. But when we went to Europe, Every supply chain in Europe is run by three PLs. It all has to be multi-tenant, and it was a four-year gut-wrenching process to go build that into the product. We didn't have APIs when we started, so it was a gut-wrenching process to go build that in. So there was some element of forward-thinking. You
0: you learned a lot of lessons. You said, let's let's not fail fast on this one. We, We have knowledge that we can bring forth. There's
1: a little bit of being a burn victim there, and there's a little bit of also anticipating I mean, if if we didn't anticipate it, we wouldn't have built it, but also we thought that if you're going to scale this to companies with 10, 20, 50, 100,000 users, you're not going to go manually create all those users. You're going to automatically take those, and to your credit, your organization pushed us a lot, and you personally pushed us a lot in creating uh, some more advanced grouping and some more of those links in the, uh, that AD link.
0: Oh, no, I appreciate that. So, you know let's talk a tiny you know, we don't normally you know, we talk a little bit about product, we don't talk mm-hmm. a lot about product, but you know, some of the things that I saw today was um, I guess what really impressed me was your workspace solution. Mm-hmm. And your workspace solution says anybody can manage your device. You know, it can be a third party company, it can you know, it can be one of the other big three or four, it can be mobile iron, it can be SAP, whoever it is. But you can still put your stuff on there and protect it with this workspace prop you know product, you know this containerization, and it's a novel way to look at it, mm-hmm. and you know I, I appreciate that from the perspective of you know when you introduced it, you weren't just talking about employees. You actually were talking about people, you know, working with their customers, mm-hmm. and you know that was an innovative way for me to think about it because I talk about customers all the time, mm-hmm. and everybody's your customers. Mm-hmm. What brought that realization to you guys? I'll
1: say fifty-fifty. Part of it was most people think we just came up with a container in the last six months. But we really started going down that philosophy two years ago with the content locker, then some of the app wrapping pieces, the secure browser, our Android email client. So we didn't, uh, we didn't grow up in the MDM with our head in the sand. We knew that MDM was uh, a phenomenal platform for a large number of use cases. But when you get into companies that have edge cases, and almost every company is going to have an edge case of where that doesn't work, Contractors, board members, it's easy to come up with them. Then we thought that we had to have another solution. It just took us a long time to get all the components and the framework there to be able to link it and put a bow tie around it with single sign on and stuff that we've ever done. Um, So that was half of it. The other half is a little bit of forward thinking, it is a little bit of looking out there and saying, Why wouldn't a company want to interact outside of the four walls? Isn't that what mobility is all about? Isn't that what we're doing in the social element? So you're not going to be able to manage those devices. And without the constraints of Apple, we may not have pushed as hard. Because with Android, you can have multiple MDM clients. But when you look at Windows Phone and Apple, you can only have one MDM client. So it's not possible to have uh, a doctor... That wants to go into one hospital, and then go to another hospital, and then go back to his personal practice.
0: Yeah, you know that's a great example because um, we had an early guest on Eric Kapoorwath, um CISO for um, Providence Health Systems, and you know he talks about the fact that he has doctors that work in multiple hospitals. Mm-hmm. They're BYO, and you know you hit that use case exactly because how do you handle that? How do you manage it? And each hospital can be using a different EHR record, yep. you know, system and the like. And, you know, and certainly if you're a contractor and you're bringing stuff in, you know, it makes things interesting. You know, the other thing that I really liked and, you know, then we'll back to, you know, more general EMM topics is um, you talked about big data. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure how much of it's really big data and, you know, I, I'll push you a little bit on that. Sure. Defin- you know, Give me the definition it, it, yeah. first.
1: <laughs> Define big data first. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like the Supreme
0: Court thing with you know obscenity. I'll know it when I see it. But uh, no, that, that's actually a good point because I, I think that big data it really depends on who you're looking at. And I, I guess the way I look at it is, even though you call it big data, I kind of took it to mean it's really the analytics that people associate with big data that mm-hmm. you know you're supplying and using some anonymous, um, anonymization techniques and everything mm-hmm. else. You're actually enabling companies. To learn from other companies without worrying about proprietary or their own data, and why don't you just talk a little bit about what you're doing? Because I think to me that that is some real innovation. Well, what you can talk about? So. Sure, no,
1: it's uh, it's it's um, it's fine. We'll put some press release out on it, so I'm happy to to um, to give some exposure to it. But the the concept there is, I think CIOs and director, every level. Um, struggles with understanding what's going on in the industry and I don't think there are a lot of great forums to go get that information I mean we've put a lot of investment in our community but there's a lot of trade shows there's a lot of events there's a lot of panelists but on a day-to-day basis where do you go to get the practical information to help I think it's been a challenge and these aren't hard questions the questions are I'm an IT director I have a global organization. What devices am I going to have to support? Because if you really think in India, it's not just a normal Android. They still are supporting Android 2.2 devices that have very low memory and very low bandwidth and very low whatever on them. You can't really manage them even in the the normal MDM ways because they just can't store a lot of data. So if you think about if you're going to expand in India or if you've got to support your uh, employees in Latin America or China or Singapore, you kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into. And, uh, and, and maybe you have different use cases. But that's a very practical question and example. And otherwise, you're looking at Google and trying to search for an outdated survey there's nowhere to find it, so we wanted to start and build this process that allows people to to have that information and i don't think that anybody in the world has the information that we have and i 'll be very sincere with that i don't think the mobile operators really know the level of detail I don't think um, you know there are other providers that have the extent of a cloud service that we do, so we take privacy very carefully we've gone through great pains to actually kind of have the data three steps removed from anything that will personally identify it any company can opt out but it's one of those if you want to you know give to get if if you want to have some of the comparison benchmarks then throw your data in there and we'll put other stuff in there a lot of companies want to know i'm in healthcare. what do my peers do do they do a four digit or a six digit passcode because there's no hard definition of what uh, what is HIPAA compliant in many areas. So if I'm doing these five things, am I in line with the best practices of another a healthcare company? It's hard and, to find out
0: and that's a great way to look at it. And, you know so you know those were some of the big things that I took away and there were a lot of things you announced today so you know I, I don't want to spend all the time talking about all your announcements but you know, you showed some impressive stuff when you look at EMM today mm-hmm. and the whole market, Mm-hmm. What annoys the crap out of you? And I know there are things because you and I have had these conversations. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Don't single anybody out, but no. generally, what annoys the crap out of you? Oh, like I, th-
1: I think if I could hire faster, that's my number one. You know, I mean, uh, it's uh, you know we're we're trying to recruit and expand and build the business. Um, so I, I think the hardest thing for me is knowing how big the opportunity is. And I think we're moving quickly, but, you know, I wake up in a cold sweat every night wishing that we could have 20 more bodies here and five more bodies there. And so I, I think um, it's not externally uh, focused in terms of things that I think we can constantly be better and sharpen the saw every day on crispness of our product, our delivery, our documentation, our messaging, um, our support. So, again, this is all, you know, inwardly focused. So, so
0: that's inwardly focused. But you outwardly focus sometimes. What what are what are things that you see in the industry, overall? And it could be even stuff that you do that you just wish you guys did. not But you know, um, let me give you an example. There isn't there isn't a day that goes by that you know getting like, you know, Alan's doing a panel next week at a conference. Mm-hmm. You know, with a couple of other CEOs. But getting you guys to actually debate each other and call each other out in the same room, you know. Cause I'm on the customer side. Sure, I talk to all of you. Yeah, and I hear you badmouth each other. And I just, you know, I just sit there and I look. And I go, really? Generally, do it. Have you ever heard me badmouth somebody? I'm pretty uh, I'm not mad. you, yeah. but you, you know what I? Yeah, their product doesn't do that, or their yeah. product, you know, it, there's it's. There's a good. lot
1: of negativity in this industry. So there's a lot of negativity, but I also think that you can channel that in a positive way. You can read the tea leaves. Uh, I mean, if you look at a lot of the stones that are thrown, you can actually say, "How can you use that to your advantage?" And are they exposing a weakness in your product? Great, go fix it. You know, I could sit and cry about. You know, uh, there's a lot of negative fud out there. There's a lot of you know just constant negative emails and negative this and negative that. And I I think that our team internally, we used to see a lot of that and people would, would, you know, kind of their hair would stand up a little bit and I just continued to coach the team and say use it to your advantage. You know, use that information because it's field level data and you know what? 90% of it isn't accurate and that's the good news because we can discredit that in a sales cycle but for the 10% that's accurate and poking a hole at us, don't get upset with it just go fix it and I, I think we have really made lemonade
0: from lemons in that scenario. Yeah, that That's a great positive attitude. I mean, you don't always hear that from people. And, you know, I know you well enough to say that, and I've sat in some of your development meetings where I've seen you yell at the developer. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I, 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 I... I'm you're, passionate. You're, you're, very, passionate. <laughs> you're very passionate, and yeah. it shows through. But it's also, you know, you're very involved in the design of your product, mm-hmm. you know, frontwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's important to you. You guys use it yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, I think that's important. You know, one of the things that... sometimes I see when I work with the business in my company is they ask for things they don't understand how it impacts the user Mm -hmm. and if they're not one of the users themselves and they're not using it and they're not subject to the same thing they don't get it Mm -hmm. and so yeah there's nothing wrong, I agree with you there's nothing wrong with being passionate Um, I think it works a lot to your advantage.
1: Well uh, you know one final point on that is we wouldn't be where we're at today as an industry without this hyper competitive level We just wouldn't be. I mean, there's, you know, I I love the expression. You know, I don't know if I can say it. Coke needs Pepsi, or you know, something to that effect. We're we're
0: we're not we're not a family podcast, so you can say whatever you'd like.
1: Uh, No, but but the point is, there is a value of having competitors out there because it forces us to be on our toes every day. We can't get lazy even for one day, just because we've extended the platform so quickly. Past the basic device management now we're doing laptop management it's a different set of competitors we've acquired the Motorola MSP it's a different set of competitors in that space we did our app wrapping different set of competitors so the challenge that we've had this year is if we've broadened our platform we're not thinking about the same three or four or five main competitors we're actually thinking about those plus all the adjacent markets there are other competitors there as well
0: so that being said, and you know, you and I probably had the same conversation a year ago. Um, I, th- I think there's going to be more consolidation. Of course, uh, I think that we're going to see some of the big ones be bought. I wouldn't be surprised if you've had an offer or two you've turned down. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't have to say what you have or you haven't done. Um, do you see the same consolidation coming?
1: Well, it has to. I mean, software is a market that tends towards a monopoly. I mean, the, the, the challenge is. Uh, Nobody wants to buy technology from the the 15th best firm in the space, so to speak. So uh, the reason that it will happen not from our side, but from the opposite side, and what I mean by that is it does take effort from the OEMs and all these technology partners to build APIs and to integrate products. And just like we have limited resources doesn't matter how big you are, even if you're Cisco or RUBA or Intrust or any of the people that are here, you still don't have infinite resources to go test and build and certify APIs. And they're only going to end up working with the top two or three or four companies that are most relevant. So by uh, you know a law of attrition, companies on the EMM side will have to have the resources to scale out and build all those APIs and be market leaders. So on the flip side... Everybody that wants to create the API touchpoints will work with only the three or four companies because they don't have bandwidth to work with 82 MDM players.
0: Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, and you can say no if you don't want to answer. But let's assume AirWatch is one of them. Mm -hmm. Who do you see two years from now being your three or four biggest competitors, if you were to guess? You don't have to answer. You don't want to, but Um, I am putting you on the spot. Sure. I think our three or four biggest competitors
1: will be uh, IBM. Uh, I think it could probably be um, Accenture could be in there. Um, You could see both VMware and Citrix in there. Um, So, I mean, I think it will be a completely different landscape than it is today. I don't think we'll be talking about the types of companies that we're
0: talking about today. Interesting. And, and, you know, I I can think of one or two more. I mean, I think also as I watch you guys branch out into – you know, your secure content locker is getting stronger and some of your other stuff getting Box, stronger.
1: You know, I think companies like Box will be – they'll build a platform uh, as well. I mean, they certainly have the funding to do it. Salesforce is uh, – you know, could could we come into – not? I don't think we're an overlap, but, you know, some adjacency possibly. You know, if they've got, you know, a content tool and, you know, will they have a little bit more that, that hits up against us. But, you know, there, there
0: will be a level of competition too. So – when you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. what's the call you dread? Do You dread when okay, Apple's got a new phone or Samsung's making an announcement in three weeks. No, I
1: love all that. No, I just you know, burp in the data center. That's what I don't want to hear about. You know, or you know, something. You know, a, 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 an impact to a customer or you know, a, look, I'm I'm very customer focused and. Um, and by the way, I think um, those, you know, those don't cause chills for me because that's natural. I want our customers to feel comfortable escalating and, and reaching out if, if we're um, – and, and many times it's a combination of factors. It's really difficult now these days. I mean, of course, um, somebody could say, hey, there's an issue with AirWatch. But in the end of the day, um, what's really happening now is we are so tied into an infrastructure – with AD, with LDAP, with firewalls, with ports, with email, with ActiveSync, that the challenges that are out there now aren't really limited and, and pushed onto one vendor. It's a combination of many things. Ports got changed, firewalls got updated, emails got migrated, and, you know, and that causes disruption within the overall process. So I think we look at those as being opportunities of how do we fail-safe the product better.
0: So, we can't ignore it because it did happen earlier today. Um, Apple made their announcements. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys have been, you know, I actually talked to you at WWDC. Sure. We had a nice conversation and, you know, I was extremely impressed with what Apple had done as Mm -hmm. far as the enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of changes and, you know, Samsung's done some great things with Knox and all, Mm -hmm. but... Apple, although people say they're not listening, really look like they've been listening to the enterprise and made a bunch of changes in iOS 7 with some APIs and everything mm-hmm. else. Being that they made the announcement today, you know, f- new phones available a week from Friday, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. OS comes out a week from uh, Wednesday. Uh, how do you see them leading the industry and in, you know moving you guys along, you and your competitors, but really the whole EMM space? Mm-hmm. How do you see Apple moving them along? Well...
1: You know, as as much as people, again, say that there's a level of not being enterprise friendly, I don't know how you help push the app revolution and not be called enterprise friendly to a certain extent. I mean, the fact is, what they did with application management and, you know, love it or not all the features of VPP that, you know, it was a first stab and embryonic way to, to get apps out. Even if you, you know, you didn't like the fact that you couldn't pull the licenses back and some other attributes, but um, you know, but they innovated with configuration and provisioning profiles and then MDM and then apps. And then now you're looking at the next step of Perat VPN and, and open in and some of those publicly available feature sets, um, I think they're innovating. But at the same time, I think now competitors are also innovating in a different way. And the good news is a lot of it's not exactly copycat. You're seeing a lot of innovation that's coming from different angles at the OEM and at the uh, operating system and, and the device manufacturer side. And I think there's more to come. I, I, I think we'll hear about Tizen. I think we'll hear about other platforms that are going to have different innovations and you know, companies, platforms that may grow up now and you can say it's late but you know in this game it's never late uh, will they change the game again because they're watching and learning all those lessons is who knows
0: so you, we did it we we're probably going to do a podcast in the next week on wearables and you know one of the things that's come up you know with Google Glass Samsung Galaxy gear mm-hmm. more Google Glass than the gear but you know you can see that the Galaxy gear the next version or if there's an iwatch or some of yeah. the other stuff out there it's going to require some management too. And yep. it's going to be a different type of management. Mm-hmm. Are you guys looking at that? Oh, absolutely. But uh, I think the exciting part
1: is how that changes the authentication game. And I think that's a, it's an interesting uh, paradigm shift where most people are thinking about you know these passwords and a lot of these complexities but then when you start thinking about multi-factor authentication you've got fingerprints and voice recognition and multiple devices that have to be in proximity to each other uh... i think it actually makes it a whole new ballgame and very easy and i think you can start to leverage these devices in, in new and unique ways that you're not seeing them today um, i said it on stage today we're already doing it. We're managing printers and peripherals. I think a device becomes its own ecosystem. Absolutely.
0: Great. Yeah, you know, I, I promised you only 30 minutes, and we're actually just a tiny bit over that. So um, I want to thank you, John. This has been great taking the time. Um, some good insights. Yep. And you know, some good insights from people into AirWatch and into EMM. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And for the audience, thank you again. Um, You have comments, questions, please um, tweet us, send us emails, uh, leave a post on the webpage. And we're out till next week. Have a great time.